Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. It's um, nice to share my story. I came to Pride in... Um, December of 2019. Um, so it was uh, December 27th, 2019. Uh, I remembered the dist- the date distinctly. I was um, I am someone who um, hasn't like substance use and abuse and and kind of addiction wasn't part of my story for a long time. Um, it's not a significant factor in my family, although. Um, now sharing my story has illuminated other parts of, um, you know, different addictions that people um, have shared with me, but I didn't really know a lot of people in sobriety. Um, and I found myself, I was 32 at the time and I had moved back here to Minneapolis after, um, being in Chicago, LA, DC for years, my twenties kind of spent, um, in different cities. I came back to Minneapolis where I'm from and, Um, things started just kind of unravel in my life. Um, And it was kind of this culmination of, uh, I think just, you know, a lot of things that I hadn't addressed, a lot of uh, kind of running from myself, running from things, numbing, uh, and alcohol increasingly became an outlet for me. So in 2019, um, so it's pre-pandemic, but I, um, I started to just like really use alcohol as this kind of numbing, uh, like, and then it turned into this kind of almost self-harm. Like I was really using alcohol to kind of find oblivion and find myself, um, just like really, I, I had, you know, challenges around like wanting to exist and like wanting to be here and all those things as well that were coming up. And then alcohol was, you know, kind of cyclical, uh, as we know, just like became this really challenging thing where I just kept adding alcohol to the mix, which made things worse. Um, so, in 20 fall of 2019, it became pretty apparent that I needed to address substance abuse, um, and stop drinking. Um, and that seemed like a really like, okay, like an easy fix kind of thing. So I, I, you know, went to some outpatients. I, that didn't work. I was like driving home from outpatient, stopping at liquor stores and driving and drinking on the way home. Um, and it was like not working. I wasn't admitting to myself that I, that I like identified as an alcoholic or that I even had, um, issues of alcohol abuse. And so I came to pride in December of 2019 and it was, it was really hard for me to accept this in my life. Um, I think I'm sure that's, you know, a lot of people's journeys, but it just wasn't, this wasn't what I saw for my life. This is not how I ever imagined. I just had a different vision of myself and my life and everything. And so finding the humility to like admit that I had a problem and actually go into pride and like actually address it, uh, was a really like hard journey for me. Um, and I went to pride and found myself like being really engaged and eager and like, kind of like taking my, like being, I'm going to be the best student and doing all these kinds of things to like be the best while I'm in inpatient. Um, and then I got out and I rewarded myself with alcohol, which is just like, not the goal. Right. Like, and I think it took me, so I came back 
to Pride um, in fall of 2020 after kind of being back and forth and trying to find some semblance of sobriety, but realizing that it wasn't working and, and coming back to Pride. And um, I think that like doing it a few times and doing that journey of like going back to rehab like, a few times. And um, it was a process of just uh, like a process of self-acceptance and acceptance of this being part of my life that I needed to address. Um, and also like finding like a peace within recovery that I hadn't. Um, I was really angry at the beginning. Like when I came to Pride in 2019, I was, I mean, I maybe didn't show it because I was probably skin stuffing emotions and things, but I was a very angry person. I was just really mad. Like why me, why did this happen to me? Um, and I think uh, letting go of that anger and settling into like finding a peace um, in recovery has been like the part of my journey that's been kind of the most transformational for me and really helped me to, to actually find longer term sobriety longer than, you know, a couple of weeks here and there, or even a month. It's, um, I'm at almost 18 months now. And, um, I think, you know, that peace and like just being balanced has been kind of the biggest goal. Like that's what I'm working towards every day in my recovery is just finding that balance with myself, being able to come back to self and, and be, at peace, um, in a way that like, I just was in so much tumult and, and anger before. So it's my story. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of messy bits and like a lot of spits and starts and lessons learned along the way. But, um, that's been my experience. I've been sober for 18 months now. Um, and my life in the 18 months, like I knew it would like life was going to get better as I entered into maintained sobriety. Um, but I just didn't understand the full extent of how full I could live my life in recovery. Um, and it was like, when I was in early recovery, I'd hear people say that and it, it seemed rather cliche and rather like, okay, they're just, it's easy to say, but it, uh, it really, I do really feel like I've, uh, life has been exponentially better in the last 18 months than, um, kind of it ever has been like I've had great times in my life throughout my life but this has really been the kind of the most at peace I've ever been and it took into my 30s to get there but yeah that's awesome that's funny that you say that about cliches because it's it's funny how true bumper stickers are sometimes <laughs> and we never want to admit to it because we all want to be like the cool kid that like rolls their eyes but it is true like sometimes they are they are true they are um, true yeah one thing that stuck out to me in your stories, you talk about living in multiple different places. And so like Chicago, LA, DC, um, do you think that like that lack, well, I don't want to say lack because you're living in these experiences and being in these culturally rich places, but I mean, that's a lot of different places to live in a short mm -hmm. amount of time. Um, can you talk about that experience and using at all? And I was using, and you know, I mean, I, I, I think that it, that 2019 is when it just became very apparent and obvious that I needed to find recovery since, you know, doing this recovery journey, I look back and I see there are definitely times when I was using alcohol in a social setting, but like I was probably emotionally needing alcohol different than someone who was drinking next to me, you know, and I don't know their story for say it fully, but like friends, we'd all go out together and I felt like, oh, we're all out together. But like I was escaping with it, right. And or different elements of that. So yes, yeah, so I went to undergrad in Chicago at DePaul. And then right after undergrad, um, I went to LA, lived in LA for seven years. 
um, kind of did all the like all the things like came of age, came out, did all my like, uh, you know, experiences of like kind of being this adult version of myself in L.A., um, met uh, a boyfriend at the time. And then very quickly after dating, we moved to D.C. together. Um, and once we were in D.C. Um, is where I saw like, um, yeah, there was just I, I realize now looking back and in being someone in now in recovery and sobriety and thinking about, you know, kind of dating and, you know, meeting new people. Then I look back and I was rather intoxicated in multiple senses at that relationship in LA. We started dating. He was in Santa Barbara. I was in LA. We're going back and forth. And a lot of our time was spent actually drinking. It was brunch that led to the beach. And it all seemed very like heady and fun at the time, but it was, and I was also just really intoxicated with that relationship in a, in metaphoric sense. And so it was just like really um, not being fully present and not being fully um I guess like spending a lot of time in altered settings so that I wasn't fully processing my emotions because it was this kind of like false intimacy that I was having um, with both friends and romantic partners and and things like that. So I think, yeah, it was interesting to live in all those places in a very short time. And um, I, you know, I think that those experiences, I look back and part of my, like part of my, story of like disconnection from self is also a running. Um, and it's like, you know, this kind of like this external thing, right? Like if I stay busy or if I stay in a cool, like if I'm living in the cool neighborhood in LA or I'm like doing these things, focusing on the external so much so that I'm not actually like, you know, settling in and being okay with myself. Um, and so part of that, journey for me in recovery has just been like pausing and just like figuring out who I am. What do I like? What are my, what is my identity? Um, in a way that is like much more authentically myself, um, that doesn't focus on the external of where I'm living, what I'm achieving, what am I doing? Who am I interacting with to, to make myself feel better? So Yeah, you bring up a really good point that I think a lot of queer people struggle with, which is that the external motivations of things, because I feel like when you grow up in the closet, you that's all you focus on is all the things that you're trying to like mask and hide about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so coming getting over that is like one of the biggest challenges. And honestly, the only way to get over it is really to recognize it, right? And then actively make decisions of like, nope, this is an old thought like process. This pattern no longer exists. That's mm-hmm. an old narrative. Like, how do I get past it? So um, recognizing that though is really hard. Yeah, definitely. I mean, coming out for me, I came out in my late twenties uh, as gay and as someone who identifies as gay and queer. And I think that that was actually easier for me than um, the alcoholic piece, like coming out and like admitting that I was someone who struggled with substance abuse that I, that I identify with the word alcoholic. That was even harder for me because it was, um, yeah, I just felt, I don't know. It was just like a harder journey that coming out. And so like finding that authenticity to be able to say that and share that um, for me in my world was, was actually the harder one. But yeah. Connor, I want to commend you because you've said, I mean, a few times it was apparent that you needed to stop using. And a lot of times I think people, you know, are forced into treatment through the criminal justice system or a family member. I'm wondering um, why did you or what clicked for you? Why? How did you realize that it was apparent and how does 
you know, how is that your choice? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I have like, I am grateful that my situation was fairly acute. Like it was, I mean, I was drinking since I was 18 in college and did the like heavy college drinking in my twenties. That was like fairly like social heavy twenties drinking. But, um, by the time that it was like by like 2019, late 2018, when it became very apparent, um, I was in a very acute drinking situation. Like I was really self-harming. I was blacking out. I was passing out in like, I mean, there are, there are things that I look back and like, Oh, that was not me. But I mean, it was me. I had that experience, but I was like passing out behind dumpsters of liquor stores. Like I, it was like really bad, severe, like self-harm, just like obsessive drinking. Um, and so I think for me, um, I, I guess I didn't really have, I had choice to choose to stop drinking, but it also became so apparent so quickly and my like kind of fall into my rock bottom or my, my low, um, was just like very fast and rapid. And so in some ways I'm kind of grateful that it wasn't like a decade of kind of a slow simmer. It was like, it was all or nothing, very dramatic. And I guess that's just like, you know, part of my story is just like that kind of like heightened drama around things, but it was, yeah. So for me, it, it, I had just quit drinking, um, because I had to, I really had to like save my life. Otherwise it was very apparent that something bad was going to happen. I was going to get hit by a car or like something was going to happen because of the like dangerous situations I was putting myself in. Well, very, very altered. Um, but I also, I did have friends and family that were helping guide that too. They were like, this is, you know, bringing it to my attention and, and, and helping like, this is not, these behaviors are not what we know you to be, you know, and helping remind myself like that. I am also, this was not my, it was my experience, but it wasn't fully like who I am now. And what I've come to in recovery is kind of who I see my, I think other people and myself, know myself to be, but there was a time where that disconnection again from self was just very apparent and people were bringing that to my attention, which I'm grateful for, um, that helped drive that decision to seek recovery. You mentioned it was harder to come out as an alcoholic than it was to as a gay. <laughs> and that was like so fascinating to me because coming out as gay is hard. Like that's a hard mm -hmm. thing to do. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I first, I, I definitely acknowledge my privilege when I say that, because for me, my experience of like coming out was a very supportive environment. I had a lot of friends that were like, okay, great. Like that's exciting. I had, <clears throat> excuse me, family that were like very supportive as well. So I have a lot of like, I had a very supportive environment for which to come out in. Um, it still was hard. And for me, it was hard because it was my late twenties. You know, I had built kind of this adult identity as someone who was identifying as straight. Um, but so, you know, I, I did have that like supportive environment. I think what I, I, and I think that I was able to kind of quickly adapt, like kind of my understanding of what my identity was as a gay identified male. Like, what does this look like? I think I could kind of wrap my head around it. I think it was harder for me because I didn't have, when I came out as alcoholic or like started to say that I need to go to recovery, I didn't have the same, um, like understanding of what my life would look like. I think there were, I didn't have like a lot of role models in my life of people who are sober and thriving, you know? So I think for me, it was also like, it was just more of this unknown. Um, and I think also there's like more of a shame aspect on it. Like, I think when I came out, I knew like, this is something that I 
couldn't control. Um, like being gay is like what it's my identity. I didn't choose that. Right. And that's just my experience. Um, there were still elements when I came out as alcoholic and I've, I've reframed and I've evolved on this, but there were still elements that like, I was choosing to be an alcoholic. I was choosing to make these bad choices. There was a shame element in my behaviors and my choice that I was doing. And I think that shame kept me, um, feeling bad about being alcoholic. Like I, I shouldn't be able to control drinking, right? Like this, but it, again, I didn't choose to be an alcoholic either. That's something that somehow happened in my identity, my makeup, my life experience. So I think it's, it's evolved for me, but I, I think there's still a lot of stigma that I carry kind of like internalized homophobia, but internalized stigma against uh, people with substance abuse that I, that I met. Well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if you look at the media or even what people say about people in recovery addiction, they kind of frame it a lot of times as a personality flaw instead of mm -hmm. a mental health condition or like a serious, like cancerous disease. Um, so I think it makes perfect sense when you said that, but I guess I've just never heard that on here yet. So it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just wasn't, it just didn't fit my life. Right. Like I just like, I had done all these things and like thought I had like built this life. I'm like, no, this is not, this doesn't look good on my life. But now in recovery, I think it actually, it's actually in alignment with what I envision my life to be. And it, it makes sense. And I'm, I'm in that phase of like eventually getting to a point where I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm in recovery, but it wasn't pretty to get here. Connor, what are you doing today that makes you excited about recovery and the future? Yeah, I think that um, of what I'm doing now. So I, you know, I work in housing policy work, and I think like um, you know that's continued to be my day job. But as a side gig, I started like teaching yoga and recovery, and that was like my um, my outlet of like movement and meditation. And in addition to all of the you know recovery things in AA, but, but I. Um, I think like just like being able to be like to like actually live authentically in recovery and actually, you know, kind of share my story has been really fun to how that's opened up other people in my life to share their story. And just like, I think that when we are like living our like most authentic selves, it just provides space for other people to do the same. And that's a, like an you know, energy exchange kind of thing that like has been really fun. Like I've really, I've met a lot more people. I've created a lot more community for myself and like recovery has just like enhanced my life in a way that's like building these deeper, rich connections, which is really helpful. Great. Well, Connor, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story with us. Um, there were so many bits and nuggets of wisdom and knowledge so we appreciate it yeah thanks for having me thanks for taking the time thank you for joining us on this episode of proud voices you can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts don't forget to follow and subscribe we'll see you next time <laughs>